Hello, and welcome to the Association of Insurance Compliance Professionals podcast. AICP serves the insurance compliance community by promoting relationships, exchanging information, and providing learning opportunities within a dynamic regulatory environment. You're listening to COVID-19, How Industry Groups View the Current and Future Impact on Insurance. With your moderators, Karen Pollitt, the Assistant Vice President of Product Development, Accident and Health Division at Access Capital, and Scott Whitaker, the Director of Product Design with Perrin Knight. We're very excited to welcome our special guest for today's episode, Dan Cotter. Dan is attorney and counselor at Howard & Howard Attorneys, PLLC, focusing his practices in a variety of areas of corporate law and litigation, primarily on insurance law. He spent almost 17 years in-house at insurance organizations where he focused on insurance, regulatory, technology, IT, compliance, and transactional matters. Dan was an adjunct professor at the John Marshall Law School and has taught insurance law, accounting for lawyers, and SCOTUS judicial biography. Dan graduated summa cum laude from the John Marshall Law School and received his BA in accounting from Monmouth College, magna cum laude. Dan is a frequent writer and presenter on various substantive topics, including technology and privacy. And in 2019, his book, The Chief Justices, was published. Please join Karen, Scott, and Dan as they discuss the impact that COVID-19 has had and will continue to have on the insurance industry. Hi, Dan, and welcome to the AICP podcast. Thank you for having me, Karen and Scott. So, Dan, what was it that made you think that COVID-19 was going to have the implications uh, that it's had on the industry? Uh, In other words, when did you personally come to that realization? You know, I think uh, early on, starting in March, I think when the uh, various states started and, and cities and local governments started to uh, really seriously look at, you know, how impactful this has been on the United States and started to do shelters in place and other uh, matters, um, as I've written about and talked about, I think when you started to see the magnitude of the losses that are facing businesses across the United States that each business, uh, desperate times call for desperate measures, as I've said. And I think what, what's happened is, is that uh, those companies have looked to everything, including their business interruption. But it's, it's broader than that. And like I said, I think, you know, early on in the process, it, it seemed to me that this was going to be such a unique situation of such magnitude that we were likely to see a humongous uh, economic impact and issues of workers' comp and everything that affects insurance, including life insurance, no matter what line. So, Dan, you talked a little bit about the the impact and what was your biggest challenge at the onset of the pandemic, you know, during the height of the pandemic and now in regard to the amount of regulatory activity at the state and federal level? Sure, Scott. And, and you know, I, my role is, is I'm an outside lawyer, outside counsel. And so uh, my demand comes from my clients, including a large number of insurance companies. And again, in all, all product lines. And, uh, you know, as we started to see, again, uh, claims and, and people looking at their policies for business interruption, uh, people looking at workers' comp issues, we started to see you know, the states, I think, reacting um, and not only reacting, but, you know, one of the things that I think has been remarkable 
uh, for the insurance departments in the last uh, several months is that they're all remote. Uh, but, you know, I'll give you an example. We uh, filed a, an application for an acquisition of control with the, with the Department of Insurance in July, right after the 4th of July holiday. And they're all working remotely. And I, 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 it's, it's almost as if they're more efficient while they're scattered around in, in their homes. Uh, we worked with the lead regulator. His request was that we send uh, all of the information to his uh, house and that he would get the two copies to the other regulators that were working the file. Uh, we just received approval today that uh, it's been been approved. Um, but, you know, for, for, for my clients, I, I think the biggest thing, again, was, as I alluded to in the first answer, is, is a lot of the insurance uh, companies uh, are, are starting to take a look at their uh, especially on the on their business owners policies and on the property side, looking at their BI uh, coverages or lack of coverages that they uh, see in their policies, you know, making sure and determining what kinds of policy language they have out on the streets and trying to take all of that information and all of that uh, data and, and work with regulators to make sure that there's not, uh, you know, un- unintended consequences or unintended positions that the regulators took. And I think, you know, maybe you guys might uh, be closer to it, but I think the only two states that really issued uh, significant data calls to try to get their arms around that particular issue were California and New York. They did it early on, and I have not seen the results of those. But, um, you know, the regulators, I think, were so regulators were trying to deal with uh, COVID-19 as it relates to business owners. I think they were trying to look at uh, these issues that involve uh, personal lines, auto and homeowners, uh, particularly auto insurance, and and the fact that people are driving less and what that means for rates, and then you know, uh, life and health. I think they're looking at, at at those issues of what's covered and and how we're going to address that on the health insurance side and life side as as people uh, sadly have passed from from COVID nineteen, and then even in the workers' comp arena, I think you know, the state of Illinois, uh, some other states have introduced and considered uh, presumptive uh, coverage for certain frontline workers and first responders. And so you, you add all that up and, and, and then add to it that, uh, like I said, the uh, everybody's remote. Um, I, I think that adds up for, you know, a very busy plate and, and very full plate for the regulators. And, uh, I think I've done an admirable job of trying to uh, spin all those plates on top of the sticks. Yeah, I would uh, echo that same sentiment, Dan. I've, I've been involved in a few filings uh, with several states, and I have noted the, the prompt responses and efficiencies as well. Um, and I was quite surprised by that, but pleasantly surprised. Yeah, it's, 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 it's been remarkable. Yeah. Uh, most states have list, lifted uh, the moratoria on non-cancellation of policies. Do you see states reimposing them? You know, I, I do. And, and again, I, I think because, you know, as we start to see, uh, you know, a lot of the things that, that were probably prompt, propping some of the economy and, and some of the ability to pay and some of the um, you know, we, we seem to have kind of gotten through the first wave and 
we're starting to get back to normal in most places. And then you start to see the news and reports of increased uh, positivity rates and in some states uh, looking to close down again. And uh, with, with PPP, you know, payroll protection, uh, mostly lapsing and, and unemployment uh, out there. I do think that the states may return to that. I think that, um, you know, hopefully that they won't do that. But I, I do think that a lot of the uh, uh, consumers uh, are going to be uh, facing a second kind of incidence or 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 impact. And so I do think they'll uh, return to that. You know, I think that, you know, I, I hearken back to uh, Y2K days and, you know, I had the sad pleasure or, or whatever it was of, of being the general counsel for a, a very large insurance company in Chicago uh, on Y2K. And, you know, that, that, that was at least was planned and we knew it was coming three years in advance. Again, with, with this, it, it's such a, an unusual pandemic and, you know, the doctors don't agree, the scientists don't agree, the uh, regulators and other government officials don't agree on things. So I do think uh, that we will see uh, cancellation uh, moratoriums come back. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm hoping that doesn't happen for, you know, for the industry's perspective. It's interesting, Dan, that you say that, you know, I think, uh, I think I saw yesterday it was where Arkansas did extend theirs through October now. Mm-hmm. And then I think I saw today where DC has, um, you know, authorized an extension of their state of emergency going, so going to what you said, you know, it, it, well, I think we're going to start seeing some things again, but as you look at that on a scale of one to 10, um, 10 being the best, um, how do you think the industry has performed in reacting to COVID-19 um, and the changes like this? You know, you set an expectation and then it continues to get extended, whether it's premium refunds or whether it's something to do with uh, flexibility of insureds responding. Um, how would you rate it again, 1 to 10, 10 being the best? And then why would you give it that grade? Sure. You know, I'd, I'd probably give the industry an 8 or eight or uh, maybe a nine, even. I think that you know this industry uh, that that we've all spent a lot of time in. I think it's you know an industry that doesn't uh, uh, take credit for when it performs admirably and and does well and it does a lot of good things. Right? We only see in the news and and in lawsuits and everything else uh, assertions that the industry somehow uh, fell down on the job. Um, you know, and I, I, I think one of the reasons I would give it, you know, probably an eight or so is, is that I think, and both Scott and Karen, you probably heard me at AICP meetings or other presentations about the industry. You know, one of the things that I, th- I think is always uh, difficult in our industry is that policy language is designed and drafted with the kind of the masses in mind, right? The, the whole concept of insurance of a large mass of uh, similarly situated, not identically situated individuals uh, that are protecting against, you know, kind of a negative uh, winnings at the, at the casino. And as, as we're seeing uh, in, in hundreds of cases and so far uh, from my count, you know, the insurance uh, industry is three to one up in terms of early decisions from courts about physical loss or damage. Uh, but, um, you know, I think, I think the industry has responded uh, professionally. I think they've been very 
quick uh, to adapt and to uh, things like you just said with states extending uh, cancellation moratoriums and emergency measures. Uh, but it's always that struggle of, of we're, the, we're the scriveners, we're the drafters of the policies uh, and the language. And it's, you know, I don't know that there's ever going to be a winning situation just because of the way uh, the the coverage litigation and, and the way that the 50 states are. Uh, but that would be the one thing that, you know, I think, again, we need to always constantly be reflecting about um, how we go about uh, drafting things. And again, you can't, you know, it's difficult to, to in retrospect, say, well, you know, uh, the, the, the language may have been tightened up or uh, addressed in some other manner other than the uh, exclusion that's been applied. You know, um, it is impossible in the a vacuum of, of not having this type of a pandemic, you know, and people could say, well, SARS back, you know, 15 years ago was similar, but the magnitude of this, it affected everybody. And unlike SARS, where it was very small pockets, you know, we've never in our lifetimes and nobody's lifetime that I can think of had a complete closure of all businesses. So that, that'd be why I'd give it an eight, eight or, or nine. I, I do think that Overall, uh, the, the industry has been very uh, quick to adapt to changes in workers' comp when it comes or any other uh, measure. Uh, they've reviewed, uh, as we talked about earlier, personal auto policy premiums. And, and so there's all that stuff that the industry's done very quickly. And, I, and again, I give them kudos for uh, being able to very quickly address a, a major pandemic. Well, I'd say that's a, that's a good grade. That's a, what is it, a low A, a B plus plus, uh, right. <laughs> by and large. I'll take it. <laughs> uh, when we look back at the COVID-19 pandemic 10 years from now, what do you think will be the most important lesson learned for the industry? I, I think the most important lesson learned will be to, you know, really, again, kind of review policy language and really think through uh, how precise exclusions uh, may or may not be. Um, I think that, you know, I think part of what we'll look back on and probably have done a, a very good job of is, is to really educate the public on kind of the imbalance. I think, you know, other industries, you know, uh, for example, if you said, you know, that uh, a grocery store or something that, uh, you know, there, there was no intent to give you a free cart of groceries, right? But you somehow signed the agreement and the language may or may not have been right on point or somebody said something to you. Um, you know, you look at the PNC industry, for example, you know, it's, it's a very strong, robust industry. Uh, it's 800 plus billion of surplus, I believe, on the on the uh, primary side, um, but you look at you look at the numbers of the magnitude of these losses. Uh, that you know, some estimates are two hundred to three hundred billion a month, and the reality is, and and I think Doug Hart's, uh, if you follow him on LinkedIn, he, he's uh, talked about this. I think on a repeated basis, that there's there's no capacity if if every claim that came in the door uh, was paid in full or even partially. Uh, the, the insurance industry, as we know, it would be gone. Um, you know, I, I think um, 
you know, hopefully we, 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 10 years from now, we don't have to, to, to revisit a, a complete uh, global pandemic that shuts down uh, everything. Uh, you know, frankly, if we're, if we're at that point in the next 10 years again, uh, you know, I'm not sure how we, how, you know, the, the economy in general comes out of it, but I think that's the lesson. And I think that's the, probably when we reflect back uh, a big part of it, I think we'll be kind of reflecting on how we can better maybe educate the public or in the communications with prospective insurance, uh, insureds, uh, really inform them, you know, of, of the limitations of the policies and, and whether it's a GL policy or, or other policies. And, and, uh, you know, I think there's a lot, uh, for groups like the AICP, uh, to be able to do, to educate the, that broader public in addition to just, uh, the industry members that are participants. Yeah, that's definitely one of our goals as an organization. Yeah, it is. And I think, you know, as, as you talked about, you know, the lessons learned from the industry, what would you say your lessons learned have been um, through this pandemic and working with the regulators during the challenging time? You mentioned earlier a little bit about the success you had with getting the approval, but were there any lessons that you learned going through this that, you know, forbid we ever have this or something like this again that you would um, implement or put into position earlier in the in the game? I, I, yeah, I, I think a couple of things. One is is that, you know, my philosophy and approach always when I was in-house counsel and currently when I advise insurance companies and one of the parts of the success of that uh, one matter that I mentioned to you uh, was that we really, we had pre-filing communications with the department and answered their questions and understood what their expectations were. And I've always encouraged uh, my clients, again, whether they were my internal clients or uh, in private practice, my, my you know, uh, insurance company clients that I'm doing from, from the firm, to, to have those conversations and to uh, go through kind of any of the issues that might arise in the filing. And I think that's just good practice. Um, the other, the other thing that, you know, I've, I've always been a big proponent of is, is on occasion, uh, making the blind call, uh, to, to a regulator to, just to get a kind of pulse of something. Um, so, so those are the main lessons. I think the other lesson is, is that, you know, I think that, uh, overall, you know, I think that the interrelationship we have with, with the regulators as an industry is, is, is a pretty decent one. You know the regulators are in kind of a a dual hat role. I think they've always worn uh, the one hat is is to protect the uh, policyholders and consumers and the public uh, that financial solvency and to make sure that the products you know deliver on their promises. And then there's also this kind of uh, second hat that they must wear, and, and that's that this industry is a very big, large uh, contributor to the economy in every state. The number of insurance agents, the number of insurance company employees is, is uh, always uh, shocking, I think, to people that uh, don't realize it when they start to look at those numbers is big. And, you know, I think one of the things that you, you learn is that, you know, these uh, regulators really are trying to do uh, the best they can to, to balance those two uh, competing at times 
interest and to really uh, do what's right. And uh, so th- th- those are the lessons learned. I think, you know, the other, the other thing is, is just really understanding, um, you know, the timelines and requirements that are in the regulations and in the codes, uh, to, again, to make sure that, you know, if you've got a tight deadline, that it's even workable. I've, I've run into situations in my career, and you probably have too, where uh, somebody comes and says, we need this by, you know, next week or something, and it's not uh, even doable uh, under the, the rules that can be rigid at times. So those are the key takeaways, I think. Okay. Um, well, you kind of almost answered my question. I was going to ask you, and you- in your opinion, what were the biggest issue fa- issues facing regulators? I don't know if you'd have more to add to that or lawmakers. Uh, yeah, well, respect. yeah, well, yeah, for for regulators, yeah, I think it's the balancing all this. It's you know the it's the uh, uh, metaphor of the of the fire hose, right? And drinking out of a fire hose. You know, I I don't think that any of us were were thinking about again, the the size of a pandemic that affects so many different aspects of every uh, business line. So I think from the regulators standpoint, I think that they uh, really have uh, had some impact. From the legislative view, you know, we we haven't really talked about that. You know, there have been some efforts, I think, in Massachusetts and New Jersey and Ohio and a few other states uh, that have introduced uh, this legislation that would uh, purport to uh, override any any kinds of uh, exclusionary language or uh, exclusions that are in uh, the policies, including the ISO uh, virus exclusion that was that that's been in place uh, for several years. And you know, at the federal level, I think there's been some efforts as well on some backstop. Um, to my knowledge, none of those legislative efforts have really uh, gone anywhere, at least on the uh, the business interruption side. You know, I think if they were to try to do that, I, you know, I, I know that there's been in the past when there's been some major hurricanes and floods and other things, there's been extensions of cancellations. There've been some other uh, moratoriums on some parts of, uh, of the conduct of insurance business. Uh, but what there hasn't really been is this kind of really substantive, you know, overriding and ignoring of contract language and, and principles. And I think if that you know, if any of this legislation were to pass, uh, I think that it would be, you know, challenged by the industry and and, and rightly so probably because uh, there, there's, you know, contract issues and in, in contract formation, uh, regardless of the, the form of contract in, in the insurance arena. And also, I think there's some there's some constitutional issues that come into play uh, with the uh, contracts clause and not impairing contracts that's in the U.S. Constitution. So, I think regulators have been trying to figure out uh, some of these issues and, and trying to deal with that. Uh, the, the one place I think they've had success we talked about is on the workers' comp side where they've had some emergency legislation. Illinois passed it in some other states uh, that covers first responders. And in some cases, it's broader. In Illinois, it includes frontline workers, which could be uh, grocery store workers or other people that are you know, risking their health uh, potentially to uh, service, you know, the needs of the, the community. So legislators le- legislators don't necessarily have an easy job here. Uh, and, and, you know, um, 
you know, one thing that could could potentially work, and that's that uh, I think has been proposed. But I, I, again, I don't think it'll go anywhere. I haven't seen anything in any of the stimulus coming out of uh, Capitol Hill. That would be some kind of a backstop or some kind of a program, uh, almost like the PPP, where instead of payrolls, it might cover, you know, some uh, loss due to closures or other things. But I, I don't really see that happening in this Congress. And uh, so yeah, I don't think there's any easy answers for regulators or for, for legislatures in this uh, country. Yeah, that's always the toughest challenge is I don't think anybody, no matter who's been impacted or who's been trying to troubleshoot or problem solve, nobody's had an easy answer during this or an easy task. Um, so this is probably the question that everybody who's listening to this is waiting for. So um, when do you think it's going to be over? And when are we going to get back to business as usual as an industry or are we? You know, I wish I wish I could say that that, that it's behind us and that we're we're finished. Um, you know, I think the, uh, numbers, you know, it's, it's kind of been an interesting, uh, month of July and, and, and into August and, and going forward, uh, you know, the numbers of new cases continue to be all over the map. You know, thankfully the, the death, uh, toll has, has slowed down in recent uh, weeks. And that's a good thing. I think, um, you know, sadly, you know, when I watch people like Dr. Anthony Fauci, which, you know, he probably knows more than, than I know about medicine or, or, you know, the University of Washington and their health studies or other experts on the matter. You know, it sounds like, you know, as we go into a flu season in the fall pretty soon, you know, we'll, we'll have our first test. And, you know, I think until we have a valid uh, working vaccine, I, you know, I'm not sure that the uh, whether we can get through this in good form or not. Um, the, the interesting thing I think is, you know, in like Illinois, uh, some of the small rural communities are starting to really experience some uh, horrible numbers. Uh, Effingham, which is a very small town uh, in, in central uh, Illinois, uh, has, you know, had, I think they had 34 cases yesterday. They're in a town of about uh, 30,000, maybe. And their prediction, so uh, uh, not to pick on Effingham, but there, uh, I see it because I get a daily news, newsletter from a guy from Effingham. They uh, did a poll in their newspaper, and out of 150 people polled, I think 121 in the town of Effingham uh, responded that they expect that the uh, COVID-19 will disappear on Wednesday, November 4th, after the election. So, um, sadly, I don't, uh, I don't think that this is, uh, you know, COVID is a, is a, is, is a political issue. Um, so I do, I do think that, you know, by, um, by September, October, I think we'll have a good understanding of, of what it looks like as, as some States reopen and, um, you know, my, my hope and, and, expectation for the industry and for uh, the, the nation is that we're, you know, by the fourth quarter, we're, we're back in full regular swing. Um, and again, I, you know, I hope a vaccine is ready uh, as soon as possible. But, I, but I've also seen studies that and, and polls that say that more than half the uh, citizens won't, uh, won't uh, take any vaccine. And, uh, you know, so, I, you know, I, I wish I had a, a crystal ball that was better 
And what what impact does it have on the industry? You know, I, I think, you know, for the from the industry's perspective, unfortunately, uh, this all this coverage litigation that will ensue, um, you know, unless there there's uh, just such a, a a whirlwind of wins for the for the industry, you know, I think that like a lot of uh, past uh, issues that have, have been in courts for forever, I think that. COVID-19 and especially in the business interruption and civil authority arena, those coverage battles can, can be with us probably for the next four or five years. Um, so um, I wish I had better, better insights and a better forecast for you. And uh, final question for you, Dan, uh, which state do you think reacted best to the pandemic and, and why do you say that state? You know, it's. Uh, I, I think it's hard to really identify one state that's done better than other states. You know, I, I, you know, go back to New York, I guess, and and uh, their data call early on. Uh, California very quickly, you know, issued bulletins and was on top of it. But again, I think that uh, all of the states that I've uh, deal with and and watched, I, I really do think overall that that there's really no state that i'm aware of that that's really uh, dropped the ball or failed or or lagged behind in terms of its responsiveness to its insureds and to its insurance companies and so um you know i really i really can't pick out a a winner uh, maybe you have have a better uh, sense of, of one that really you know distinguishes themselves but, uh, you know, I, I don't know that I can pinpoint the, the top two or three states. Again, I think that they've all been very responsive. I think their websites have, have all uh, been keeping up and informing everybody about where they're at on a variety of fronts. And, you know, I think they've worked well with, with their uh, governments and their uh, constituents. I'd have to agree, and and that's that's a that's a pretty good safe answer as well. <laughs> right, you don't want to don't want to offend anybody, right? <laughs> uh, I mean, I've been pretty happy with the with the industry as a whole uh, on the regulator side, the carrier side. Um, uh, you know, we haven't really missed a beat in terms of of the work that we do in our industry, and, and it's it's a good day to be an insurance uh, professional. That it is. It's, it really is. It's a, you know, I think that this is a, a profession that, that maybe you stumbled into. I stumbled into it. It was when I graduated with an accounting degree. It was, it was the first opportunity I had, and I've never, never been very far from it. It's a, it's a good industry with good people and doing good work for, you know, all of the, uh, all of its insureds and, and, uh, Overall, you know, really, really doing a great job. And it is a great time to be in this industry. Thanks for joining us, Dan. Thank you.